You're listening to the best marketing and entrepreneurial podcast in the universe, the Nathaniel Bibby Podcast. We're going to another episode of Monday Night Live with Peter Lakovich, the sales trainer slash sales extraordinaire, joining us as a guest. And I talk all things coronavirus, how you can manage your social media during these times. Enough from me. Enjoy the show. And if there's any other content you would love for us to cover in future episodes, drop your feedback on social media with the hashtag AskNat, and we will feature some of your questions in future episodes. Don't forget to tell your friends that Nathaniel Bibby podcast is nothing less than the best podcast in the universe. We are live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Monday Night Live from my living room. Hope you're all doing well. We've got a pretty cool session um, today. <clears throat> Obviously, some serious topics that we need to cover, um, which is unfortunate. But I know you've heard a lot of negative crap on the TV, so we're going to keep it positive. I've got Peter Lakovich wait, waiting in the wings to give us some advice. I've been listening to everything that you've been telling me. And right now, I understand that there is a, a need for business owners, salespeople, and marketers to generate leads and sales using social media. So I'm going to go through some lead generation stuff, and we're also going to get Peter to talk about how you can actually convert them into sales. All right. So before we do that, some of the, you may have seen my article, How to Manage Social Media During COVID-19. <clears throat> um, obviously, this is a serious issue that's impacted a lot of us around the world. Um, you know, if you asked me a year ago, what would cause social media usage to go through the roof, my answer would have been reduced connection. And here we are, you know, a year later with enforced isolation in place. Businesses, they're scrambling to respond and some are sticking their head in the sand. Others are looking at ways to make a quick buck and some are getting serious about their communication strategies. Guys, let me know in the chat. Are you still posting on social media during COVID-19? I'd love to hear from you. And yeah, I'd love to hear if you're still posting on social media what you're posting. If you could let me know in the chat. Um I do have another question, which I'm going to raise now because you can drop, drop it in the chat whenever you like throughout the live. But what is one goal that you could set for your professional career over the next seven days um, that while you're working from home, if you are working from home, whatever your circumstances may be, what is one goal that would be extremely productive for the long term for your career that you could set? Let me know in the chat and we're going to hold a few people accountable um, so take this opportunity. I think that um, one of the most important things, and I didn't mention this in my article, is to focus on where the benefits are. Because if you focus on where the benefits are, you're going to see the opportunities. If you're going to focus on what you've lost, then you're going to see, well, you're going to end up depressed, unfortunately. The reality is businesses are going to struggle for a, a while. Um, it's going to be different. Industry is going to be affected differently. Um, COVID is productive. Uh, predicted to cost the global economy 2.7 trillion with a T dollars. So tourism, accommodation, entertainment, obvious ones, aviation um, <clears throat> are the big ones. 
like social media, streaming, some tech companies are going to do well out of this. Um, I think that the way that sales uh, is done is is changed, and we'll get Pete to, to comment on that. Um, I think social media is more important than ever. Well, I know social media is more important than ever. 76% more people are on, uh, sorry, not more people, 76% more usage. So in Australia, we've got 18 million people using social media, and they're now using it almost twice as much. Um, half of adults turn to social media for their news. So, I mean, your your content and your information you're sharing on social media is only use, useful if it's actually accurate, but you want to communicate. Like, if you are sharing that you've closed your store, obviously it's not the most positive news in the world, but the last thing you need is your loyal customers going down there, finding out that it's closed and you haven't told them about it in advance. Um, you want to use it as a way to say, look, we're you know uh, supporting social distancing, um, physical distancing, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, we'll be back open in, in four to six weeks and that's or whatever it may be. And that's how you build trust, you know. Don't exploit the situation. I, mean, I can't believe you see people buying hand sanitizers on toilet and toilet paper and selling them on eBay for five times the price. I mean, that's not entrepreneurship. There's no long-term thinking there. I would encourage you to focus on using the attention that you grab to build trust, okay? Um, keep showing up, keep uh, posting content, have some empathy with your content. But, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to generate leads, um, you want to be setting telephone appointments and setting Zoom appointments. You'd be surprised at the conversion rate right now. Um, I'm just going to go away from my notes here because I want to talk quite authentically to you. People are in a need for connection. You know, sitting at home uh, working, you don't have the same amount of connection in your day-to-day -day life, and it is a very important human need. Um, people will jump on a call with you if you're genuinely interested in them. How are they being affected? How are they finding things at the moment? And you'll find that probably most of them have more needs than they had before. I mean, I'm in the marketing industry. People need sales, need leads more than ever. Um, and if they feel like they can trust you, um, then of course they're going to invest with you. We haven't lost one client since this happened, um, you know, and we may do, um, but we haven't. And um, there, a lot of them are struggling. It just goes to show that it is possible. We signed up three clients last week and I'm not boasting again. I'm just saying that it is possible. And I think that um, you need to start thinking about where are the opportunities here whether it's temporary or not, where are the opportunities? Um, because we just don't know. Uh, it's with, If you've been in a situation where, you know, the life has turned out not how you expected, um, you either adapt or you'll get depressed, you know. Um, it's very similar in the, in the marketing industry, you know, when we all of a sudden we worked out that, you know, we couldn't get websites to the top of Google by using black backlink strategies anymore. Um, some people continue to do it, lie to their customers, didn't get results. Some people adapted. Um, we, as human beings, that's what makes us different than animals is our ability to adapt and resilience and grit. All right, dudes, if this is already done for three trillion, it will cost more than seven, eight trillion. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to cost us a lot of money. Uh, guys, I'm going to join it. Just check out the LinkedIn chat. I want to see if you guys got any questions for Pete. Because um, I can see the YouTube and the Facebook chats coming through here. Um, oh, good to hear from you, Dave, Paul Harrison. You can hear me in the background. I've got Lee Addison here, Shavasha, Judy, still posting. Good to hear. Good to know. Judy, are you posting the same stuff or are you posting different stuff? I'm curious. We're talking about toilet paper again, are we, Dave? 
I got some toilet paper today. It wasn't cheap, I tell you. All right, moving on. Social media builds camaraderie, okay? So share with people what you're up to. Day to day, just keep showing up. Show them that you're making sense. Show them that you haven't disappeared, you know? Um, use this time while we're social distancing to be productive. You can connect digitally. You can. Um, you need to take control of your mindset, really important. If you find yourself watching TV all day, uh, geez, you must be petrified because I've turned it on for five minutes and I had to turn it off again. Get the information, but stand guard at the corner of your mind and make sure that you feed it stuff which um, is going to benefit you and lead you in a positive direction. Keep your body moving. Keep your body grooving. It's very important to keep physical, all right? Have fun, guys. Have fun, play, laugh, dance, create. Isn't it interesting? So I heard somewhere that in nine months we're going to have a population growth because they reckon well, because of this social distancing, a lot pe more people are going to be making love. Some other people say that um, a lot more people are going to be getting divorced. Let me know which one you think is true in the comments. Communicate with your customers. Be authentic. Communication is really, it's, I mean, like it's not about getting your message across. It's about listening to what your audience wants to hear and the platforms that they want to hear it on. You're lucky if you're in business to business. It's most likely LinkedIn. It's pretty pretty standard. Um, but people may be on Instagram. People may be on Facebook. Communicate. Communication is now more important than ever. It really is. Okay. Um, be kind, guys. Um, spread joy. Um, I don't want to go on too much about COVID, but if you do want to learn how to manage your social media during COVID-19, check out the article on my LinkedIn profile. I really did put a lot of time into that, Do some, did a lot of research, so check it out. Jenny O'Brien, Gemma Goodchild, Christoph. Now, it's good to see the YouTube and uh, Facebook taking off. Let's see who, who else is on LinkedIn. We're going to bring Peter on in a second. Are you guys ready for Peter? Drop your questions for Peter. I'm hearing you well and lighting is good. Thanks, Jody. That's kind of you. Let, let me know your comments. Uh, that question, sorry, for Peter. Peter's a sales expert. So I came across the entourage um, through Jack, a guy called Jack DeLosa, and um, they are the largest entrepreneurial training company that's out uh, in Australia, and they've made it through a lot of adversity, and their head sales trainer is, is Peter, um, and he is an expert at building sales processes and training business owners on how to implement sales processes into their businesses. And what's interesting is when we run lead generation campaigns on LinkedIn, most businesses are quite surprised at the volume of leads we manage to generate for them. And you'd think that would, that would be a good problem. But if you don't have a sales process to turn those leads and you're getting you know leads on a daily basis into conversions, you are very quickly going to reach capacity. And I think, you know, at, the, at times like this, you may be getting leads and you would have a lot of businesses have no clue what to say to these leads, given the circumstances. And the sales, the sales call could very quickly turn into a very negative conversation. So you have to be able to control the sales. I'm actually fascinated to learn from Peter today um, on what his take is, because it's an interesting time. We're all learning. We're, none of us have been through this before. Um, so if you're ready for Peter, let me know in the chat. And we'll bring him on. Da, 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 drum roll. I wish I had some intro music for you, Peter. <laughs> mate, your intro was perfect. Cheers. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm really, really good. Um, sun setting over here in Perth. Um, so it's a perfect time, time of the night. I'm just looking at the sunset myself in, here in Scarborough. 
I'm just uh, a couple of suburbs down south in Hillary, Sorrento. Yeah, okay. Peter, um, I heard you were uh, enjoying some cricket yesterday. Is that the case? Mate, took, um, took a bit of time out in the afternoon, had a, a barbecue down at Sorrento, played some cricket, played some bocce, just good family connection time. I think uh, yep. we need to manage our time effectively and, and feed the soul as much as you can. Going back to me, you talked about having fun. Uh, it's yep. easy to get caught up in everything. I don't watch a lot of TV. We don't watch a lot of news and all that type of stuff. Um, but when you do right now, we're bombarded with negativity, as you said. So yeah, um, I love to keep things upbeat, look at what we can do, like what, what we can control, what can we affect, and then go down that path. Um, Peter, for the guys that may not have heard of your background, um, do you mind giving a two-minute overview? And I, I must um, admit as well, when I did a bit of a Google um, leading up to this, I saw that you used to play a bit of poker. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to, try to get that out of Google is pretty tough. They, uh, they follow you everywhere. <laughs> yeah, listen, my, my background in business um, really started at a very young age. My, my parents, coming from a European family, um, you know, mum and dad did the pretty much the most wog thing you could do and buy the corner deli, um, had a fish and chip shop, had a coffee lounge. So I kind of grew up in, in that kind of shop front of business my whole life. Uh, went to uni because I was meant to go to uni. You know, I think when you're an a parent, now that I'm a parent, you only want for your children what you never had. And my parents never had an education. So it was like, go to uni, get a degree, and, you know, I've kind of done my job. Um, so kind of went into uni um, and then dropped out of uni two years later. So it was kind of the golden child getting into uni, being the first lack of each in the history to get into university, and then not the golden child when I dropped out. But I actually didn't tell them until I got a full-time gig um, at a job and it was in a health club. And I started in sales and... Two and a half weeks later, got promoted to sales manager. Then two weeks after that, got promoted to manager. I was managing my first business at the age of 20. Had no idea what I was doing. I just knew when I talked to people, they gave me money. Um, the sales <laughs> side of it, I was pretty good at. Um, but what I never did, oh, I've got some lights in here now. Um, what I what I used to do, was I never did the same presentation twice. I'd always iterate and change every presentation. Um, and I, I had a, a subconscious sales process. So then... When I was managing, when I wasn't at the club, the club wouldn't make money, which means my systems were really bad. My structures were really bad. And I got a really good kick up the butt once when I went on a holiday to Sydney and, and when I came back, the sales had dropped for that week. And, you know, I expected the red carpet treatment and, you know, the knight in shining armors coming back. And and I got you know, pretty much a snap kick to the head saying, mate, your sales are down while you're away. I can't approve any more holidays and I can't promote you. And it was like the opposite reaction what I thought I was going to get. So um, he just said, sort your shit out and left. And I was like, wow, because the business was reliant on me. I had a key person dependent business. So I had to go into the depths of systemizing what I did. I had workbook after workbook. I used to debrief after every every sales presentation. I had a, a workbook like this. I draw a line down the middle and I'd do positive and negative and I'd just write down what worked, what didn't work. And whatever didn't work, I stopped doing in my next sales call, whether it be face-to-face -face or telephone. And I went through all my old folders. I created a process. I trained it in my team. And all of a sudden, they started being more successful. And it enabled me then to become an area manager who looked after two, three, four sites. And then we grew to, I helped grow to a chain of 15, 15 health clubs I was looking after and, um, you know, 60, 70, 80 sales professionals. And so that was my introduction into business. Then 1998, I left that and moved to Melbourne and Sydney and started a consultancy business with a business partner, training other business owners in the fitness industry, how to create replicable sales processes and, and how to manage the team effectively. Um, we scaled that to four or five different countries. And then 2005, co-founded Australia's first national sales academy. That's really an institute of knowing where to, how to sell. And that's when I first met Jack, uh, probably 14 years ago. 
Um, yeah, it's a long, long time ago. So Jack worked with me at the uh, National Sales Academy for about a year. Then he went off and started building his own businesses. We kept in contact. And then I came on board as an early CEO in 2012, 13, 14 and helped drive the business in the early stages to become what it is right now. Then I started a family. Um, and I've been involved in the entourage as a shareholder, uh, driving sales, business development, uh, helping coach and advise all our, our members from six to seven to eight figures. So it's kind of through trial and error of running 15 health clubs, knowing what works, knowing what doesn't work, that enabled me to systemize and formulate a structured way to get people to buy so you never have to feel like you have to sell. Mate, is there a big difference between business to consumer sales and business to business? Mate, I have, I won't say arguments, I have disagreements with people about this a lot, right? Um, I don't I don't put any credence into the B2B to B2C space. Um, sure, you know, the sales cycle might be simpler in B2C, right? They might have multiple stakeholders in B2B. But if you look at the decision-making process, a human being is a human being. They have a brain, they have a buying decision, uh, they have a process they go through the buying decisions. You just need to learn how to tap into it. So, you know, whether you're a C-suite, you know, a CMO, CFO, CEO, CTO, CIO, you know, everyone's naked underneath the suit, right? They, they all have the same mechanism of making buying decisions. So if you've got a sales process that understands how to give people information the way they want it so they can make a good decision, it's yeah. irrelevant for B2B or B2C. Again, shorter sales cycles maybe. You might not have to do proposals and documentations for B2C, for B2C but you'd verbally do them instead of doing the written might not do corporate presentations, boardrooms, but you might be doing it on a shop floor over a telephone. Yeah. The buying mechanism of the human being is really not a big difference. And and I mean the buying process has changed, hasn't it? I mean, like, well, let's just let's just get straight to the chase. I mean, right now, most of the sales is happening like this, isn't it? Oh, mate, the sales landscape, you know. And th this is the biggest problem I find when I go in and help business owners craft their own scalable sales system. What I find is they've been doing the same thing they've always done or what they've always been trained on. See, because of technology predominantly, the way consumers buy has changed and it's evolved and it's evolving quicker and ever than ever has before. So their decision-making process is up here. Our sales process is down here and in between there's a gap. And there's a big gap in getting people to buy. And then obviously the last two weeks we're going through what we're going through right now. It has evolved and changed again rapidly. So... Yes, there are. Now, when I say changed, the medium may have changed, right? But also what we do, we still do similar stuff, but the weight of percentage we spend on different things has changed. It has evolved. How we build rapport has evolved. Um, they're the things we need to know is it's nothing that used to be 80% you know, of our time now might only be 20% of our time. But what was 20% of our time now may be 80% of our time. Um, the medium in which we deliver, like, you know, Zoom and Skype and using, you know, um, video conferencing and stuff like that, it's massively evolving right now. So, yeah, the, the medium has changed and the weighting of percentage of where you spend your time has changed. Okay. All right. Well, look, let, let's say, for example, well, this is the way that I would suggest generating leads of business to business. It would be to find somebody in your target audience on LinkedIn who's in your second degree network. So they know the same people you do. You reach out, you send them a connection request saying, hey, Peter, um, notice we've got some of the mutual connections and you're in this industry, we'd love to connect. Peter accepts that I would say a message saying, thanks for connecting. Um, love to learn more about your business. See if there's an opportunity for us to add value or not. And I may say, hope you're safe, just given the context of, you know, where we're at at the moment. Um, yep. but, but that would be basically it. And then hop on a call. And normally, like, you know, they're wondering, 
what's this all about? You know, what advice would you have for somebody that's starting one of those conversations on how to, you know, make that conversation, you know, start in a positive way, build rapport, that kind of thing? Yeah, good. Um, I'm going to I'm going to chunk this up and give you a macro strategy because I think the philosophy behind this will enable a wide variety of people in different industries to tailor it for their industry, right? So the key principle here is when people buy, um, you know, you've, you've been window shopping before, right? You're going just walking down the shops, really not looking to buy something, but you've come home with three or four shopping bags full of stuff. Right? Oh, well, walk- that's just me. That's me. <laughs> you, you walk into a retail shop, right? And um, what's the first thing they'll say to you? Can I help you? Um, can I help you? Yeah. Yeah. And what's our knee-jerk reflex response? No, thanks. No. I'm just <laughs> I'm just looking. I'm just yeah. browsing. Right, bugger off. Leave me alone, right? So the yeah. reason we say that is we have this thing called buyer's resistance. See, human beings don't want to be sold to. We love to buy, but I want to be sold to. So we have this defense mechanism, this wall raises called buyer's resistance. Now, the opposite to buyer's resistance is called buyer's acceptance. And the biggest problem we have right now, buyer's resistance, you know, if you said to me, if I said to you, I'm just looking, my resistance is probably at that 90 to 100 degrees. So by default, my acceptance is at zero. The problem we have in sales is predominantly we are too busy trying to gain buyer's acceptance what we haven't done is lowered buyer's resistance first. Right. So it's that flow of lowering buyer's resistance gives you permission to gain buyer's acceptance. And that's the game we need to play. So, you know, first thing I'm looking at, my, my macro outcome in any medium of communication, whether it's a, pri- a private message on social, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, whatever it is, telephone, face-to-face, network marketing event, all I'm obsessing about is what can I do to lower buyer's resistance right now? So, you know, if there's the LinkedIn message, now I'm a big fan, um, you know, I've grown most of my businesses through strategic partnerships, through helping people connect with other people and capitalising on each other's network. Yep. So be like, hey, I notice we've got a connections in place. I'm always looking to see how uh, my network can utilise your services in some way, shape or form. Love to know more about how you do that. And then, you know, what would be the best way to find that out? And ask them what's the best way to find out? Because that's then lowering the resistance. They feel, you feel like you have control. Yeah. How, how could you share that with me? Oh, they might go, oh, here's an online video I get you to watch. Oh, why don't we catch up for a coffee? It gives you permission to instigate the best next step. But if they feel like they're guiding that process, you're not prospecting them too heavily. Like to me, LinkedIn is not, it's not a hundred minute sprint. You yeah. saying Bolt would not do good at LinkedIn, right? He only did sprints because he didn't want to run long distance. You know, LinkedIn is that it has that relationship. You'll burn more. I I get frustrated when I accept someone on LinkedIn, and the first thing I get in my box is, you know, sell me something or book an appointment where I know nothing about you. You know nothing about me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's, I, it's that lowering buyers resistance strategy. What can you do to lower the resistance to feel let them feel like they want what you have? Yeah, great answer. Um, because it's a mindset. You know, like I, it's it's funny because um. I, t- I give people scripts and stuff on how to ask these questions to bring out, you know, these needs from the, the prospects. But they might say something like, um, let's say, for example, um, you message somebody and say, hey, let's hop on a call. Sorry, i gone blurry. <laughs> What's going on there? Maybe that's just my eye. Yeah, and then they'll say, the client will say, um, the prospect, sorry, will say, um, no, I'm not. In, uh, what's, the, what's the call about? I don't want to buy anything. What's the call about? And, you know, like if you've got that mindset, you're like, well, you know, I don't really know what the call is yet about yet. I don't know anything about you. You know, like we've got to hop on a conversation to find out 
if there's an opportunity or not. Because in business to business, how how on earth could you sell to somebody who doesn't have have the problem that you solve? I mean, if you don't, you know, like I I get I help businesses get more customers through LinkedIn. How do yep. I know that business wants more customers? Exactly. You know? Totally. I mean, Jen, Jenny O'Brien has just put a good comment in there right now. What would be the best sales technique for a prospect if your product would not be a if your product would not be a priority at this time? <clears throat> Like, Jenny, if your product's not a priority this time, you shouldn't be prospecting that audience. So the first thing you do is look for a new audience. Um, you know, I've seen so many of my clients right now that, you know, 5% of their audience haven't been hit. So they now need to become 95% of their target. They well, might have I mean, yeah. Or change your product. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, well, the second thing then is change yeah. your product or change your message, right? Yeah. You need to change, change your message and change your offer. If you can't change your offer and change your message, you're falling on deaf ears. I think a lot of people fall in love with their products um, instead of falling in love with their audience's needs. Uh, you know, because if you fall in yes. love with your audience's needs, you'll you'll innovate. And this is a different marketplace. I mean, some products aren't going to work moving forward. You know, like being a real estate agent, for example, like I would be really seriously considering innovation in that industry, for example. Yes. I'm just throwing it out there. hundred <laughs> percent. I've, I've been in the market for property now for, for quite a few months and I have yet to meet one real estate agent. We have seen hundreds of homes that has been selling, been involved in the sales process. And when I say that, helping me make a buying decision, not one. Sure, they turn up at, at 9.45 for that 15-minute inspection. Sure, they open the door. Sure, they show me through. Sure, they give me the plans. But there's absolutely... There's n they're not they're literally order taking and they're the ones that are going to die very very quickly. None yeah, of them know yeah. how to. Very few of them know how to shoot videos effectively. Know how to use social media um, for virtual tours. Um, they don't do things like this at night when you and your partner are home and find out what do I want in a home and how can I help you create that. They're literally just order takers. And when a market falls out, these people are going to you know they they're going to struggle big time. Yeah. What about closing? Because like I mean I. I uh studied a lot of Grant Cardone and stuff like that. And he talks about always be closing, right? And I've come I've come full circle on this. I don't necessarily agree with that now. I think that if you need to close a deal, you haven't done something right up the up front these days. I'm interested to know what your perspective on it is. Man, I'm a huge fan of closing, <laughs> but not in a traditional sense. The customer should be closing themselves, not you closing the customer. There's been a shift and a complete shift in that. You, you know, closing should be from the from you, the salesperson's perspective, the business owner's perspective. It should be a natural progression to the sale. Like at the end of the presentation, they they should be going. So, Nathaniel, how can I work with? You? When do we start? <laughs> like, I, 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 you've sold me. Like, when do we need to start? I, my yep. best sign for a good close is when they thank you for giving you money. <laughs> like yeah. when they say, you know, Nathaniel, here's ten grand. Run this, run this, run this campaign for me, and I say thank you so much for letting, for helping me. And I've just given you ten grand or twenty grand or fifty grand. That's the sign of good process. <clears throat> so closing is a natural progression to everything you've done beforehand. Let's say yeah. overcome your objections. Like when I when I first started, I got a book that said 101 ways to close a sale and overcome <clears throat> an objection. Learn the first twelve by tomorrow. It was all about you know closing and overcoming objections. I haven't taught overcoming objections in nearly five or six years. I'll teach really? you how not to get them, but yeah. I won't teach you how to come them. And what's better, prevention or the cure? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, Benjamin Franklin said an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So, yeah, I, I obsess about how to get you to get your customers to not have to give you an objection. So closing should happen as a consequence of an effective sales process. And so what happens, just playing the devil's advocate, like now, you've hopped on a call, you've started your sales process, and I've just said, what's the price? Mm -hmm. right, right, away, right away, right at the start. How do you, how do you handle a, a question like that? Okay. Do you understand the concept of cause and effect? Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah. So everything in the world is cause and effect. Like if, yes. if, if, if I have done something to put on weight, I have done something to keep getting caught by speed cameras, I, I've done something like everything you get in your life, you are responsible for for one way. And I'm not talking about disease and illnesses and hereditary, like just being very black and white here. But cause and effect is everything. So my mindset doesn't go to what should I say if someone's very price sensitive. I'm going to say, what am I saying to make you become price sensitive? Yeah. If you're asking for price, I have done something in my communication, my email, the subject in my, in my email, my first opening statement, uh, the way my LinkedIn page is set up. Something is causing you to think, go into logical cortex of the brain, think logically and ask a logical question. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I am... Um, Years ago, I got asked to go up to Queensland to spend time. Someone said, can you build a new sales process? I said, what's happening? Because 78% of our clients are asking for a price when they pick up the phone. And can you come and train my team how to overcome them? Now, what I realized was 90% of their team were casuals, part-timers. Like, if I went and did a three-day training, reality is they're not going to use 5% of it. They're going to turn over half of that staff within 30 days anyway. I would have been taking their money for the sake of taking their money. So I did the next best thing. I said, listen, give me half a day. That's all I need. I went, half a day? I went, just give me half a day. And in half a day, I trained them on a process that within two days, their price questions got reduced to 23%. From 78 to 23% of people asked for price. Mm -hmm. And all I did was change the way they answered the phone. Yep. I didn't teach them how to overcome the price question. I taught them how to ask to answer the phone in a way where people don't think about asking for price. Yep. So my, my teaching here is if you are getting something that you don't want to have, change what you're saying because then you won't get what you're getting. If you're yeah. trying to do this old school overcoming objections, you just, you're flogging a dead horse. You can do it. It's hard to scale that. So we need to eliminate what are we doing? We're saying something logically. We're asking a question like, oh, Nathaniel, how can I help you? Nine times out of ten, if you say, how can I help you? You're going to get what's the price of, what's the cost of, can you quote me for, how much is it to? Yeah. So don't say that. Say something else. Yes. Right? Every industry is about um, tailoring what can we do to eliminate the price question. Where does that lead come from? What's the marketing funnel that's generated that lead? How are you starting that phone call? What does that look like? You know, mm -hmm. The predominant thing in sales is we go into a 20-second spiel. Hi, hi, Nathaniel. My name's Peter and I'm from and what we do is, the minute you hear those three things, my name is, I'm from, what we do is, first thing you do is call caller. Telemarketer, salesperson. What happens to buyer's resistance? Yep. It goes through roof. So you go into logic mode. You go, okay, well, what does it cost for that? So you, you can't do that, right? There's a real simple technique I realized. Um, it's just called the pause, right? Oh, yeah. So I want to do two things. I want to get yes momentum straight away. So the first thing I go, is that Nathaniel, is it? Yes. And the first thing he's <laughs> going to say is yes. You yes. can't answer any other. Nathaniel, it's Pete from um, Nathaniel Bibby's LinkedIn strategies. And just pause. If I said, hey, it's Pete from the Sales Institute, 
If I pause, what do you feel like saying? Hey, Nathaniel, Pete from the Sales Institute. How you going, mate? <laughs> now you've engaged with me, I have yeah. engaged with you. Yes. You've started trying to build rapport with me. I'm not trying to build rapport with you. In your subconscious mind, we get aligned as friendship because you only ask people how you're going if you know them or if you like them or they're in your social yeah. circle. Yeah. So it's actually by saying less earlier on, you actually achieve more. I'm not a big fan of fake rapport. You yeah. know, we've been told to find something in common and look for a picture that they like and like, you know, how's your weekend? It's like the first time we've spoken, I know you really don't care about my weekend. I know it's an icebreaker. We need to respect our customers more. We don't give them the respect they deserve. They know what you're trying to do. So in my world, often today in the business world, not building rapport is actually building rapport. Because if you yeah. go, hey, hey or when, you know, if you get down to business, I'm going to respect that more. So by yeah. not doing fake stuff, I actually like you better. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, when you niche down, you don't want to do business with everyone. So a part of this is actually finding out whether or not they meet the criteria that you've got in the first place, right? You want to yeah. make sure you get along with them to start us. <laughs> yeah. And, and you should have done some research. Like, you know, LinkedIn's a great tool. You can research the hell out of everybody from their profile to what they've done through the testimonials they've got. You can search their website. You can look at case studies you can look who their connections are. Like gone are the days where you have to cold call. It's just not relevant anymore. We have too much information exactly. in the world yeah. to need to do that. So we need to use those tools and use those strategies to lower those resistance levels. Yeah, they're warm calls. I mean, if, you've, if they're second degree connections, they know the same people you do. I mean, that's the low hanging fruit. That's yeah. It's a no-brainer. The first rule to prospecting is is find someone um, who, you know, find a third party, find find a way to get in front of someone because you need a reason to call someone, you need a reason to contact someone. So yeah. if there's a second-party connection, you have that reason. Yeah. And I always say to my clients as well, if you're going on LinkedIn, if you're going to B2B, always aim high, like CEO level, rather than like a level below that because yes. they can always refer you down and you say, oh, CEO refer told me you're the person to speak to Correct. go the other way it's a bit different yeah it's i call it the i call it the post strategy poh pursuit you've seen the movie pursuit of happiness with yes. smith yeah awesome he yeah. did that strategy right he had to drop his child off at daycare so he got there in two hours after everyone else got there he had to leave three hours before everyone else he had five hours less prospecting time and he had three months to be the number one sales guy and one person got a job and he he looked at his list and he had a list and it was literally, you know, top of the chain all the way to the bottom of the chain. And people were told to start at the bottom and work your way up. He just didn't have time. So he just went straight to the top, got the head honcho. It's the most, it takes just as much work to get through a gatekeeper as it does to get through a CEO. I agree. I agree. Hey, um, we're nearly wrapped up. What's one thing that you think that um, people need to know when they are doing these, these sales calls at the moment, given the global economy? What, if you could have um, give people one piece of um, gold to take away from with them, what do you think it'd be? I'm hearing a lot of people um, getting caught up in proposal world, especially when we're doing telephone, video conferencing. People don't want to meet you face to face. There's a lot. I'm getting a lot more people saying, "Can you send me a proposal? Can you send me a document on that?" In my world, proposals don't sell, right? You need to present yeah. your solution, not send your solution. And so many people are getting caught up in that world. Um, so right now, get away, you know, get away from proposals. In, in 
2007, we had, we went through a, a you know an economic crisis. Uh, 2008, there was a drought within Australia, especially regional Australia. Um, Channel Nine lost the rights to host the Olympics. Channel Ten and Channel Seven did a joint bid and outbid them for the first time in a long time. So they had no eyeballs. They owned three radio stations. They had no ears. Um, they also had you know their regional um, stations of wind television. Um, so if you know if you're in Kalgoorlie or down at Bunbury or if you're in Mount Gambier in South Australia or Toowoomba in Queensland, in Wollongong in, in New South Wales, you're going to have wind television. So there was a massive drought. People weren't spending money and they didn't have the eyeballs. So they reached out and said, "We have a we have a bad product, and salespeople have really bad tools. Um, we we need help training the guys on how to sell during this time." So I travel around the country and retrain their 168 sales executive how to sell. And one thing we stopped doing was proposals. And they broke sales records during the Olympics when they had the worst viewership they've ever had in their history because it wasn't about putting it into a document and a presentation. You know, what does the word proposal mean, right? I'm proposing to work with you. When I say, yeah. here's my proposal, you're probably going to grab three for other proposals. So yeah. they wouldn't create that. So if you were um, Nathaniel's uh, sunglass shop in Mount Gambia and you wanted to do some advertising, as a rep, they'll go out there and we want to find out you know, what do you want to achieve from the advertising? When I first asked them, what do you do? They said, we sell airtime. I'm like, you don't sell airtime, right? You help people achieve the goal they want to achieve. So what do you want What do you want to work on? He goes, I want to open up a second store. So he went away and didn't create an advertising schedule. He went and created Nathaniel Bibby's sunglass shop growth and, growth and expansion strategy for quarter one. Yeah. If you get a proposal from Channel 7, an advertising schedule and a Channel 10 advertising schedule on Nathaniel Bibby's sunglass shop uh, expansion strategy for quarter one, which one do you feel like understands you better? Hmm. And then they didn't send it. They presented it. They deliver it. So right now, if you're chatting with someone right now, I would then go, great. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go away, Pete, and create a blueprint. I'm yep. going to come back, talk, walk you through it. Please use the word walk you through it because that means I need to show you. It needs to be experiential. Um, we'll jump on Zoom and we'll screen share so I can yeah. answer any questions you have. By the way, who else would have input into that? I don't ask decision-maker questions anymore. I say who else would have input because you have yeah. stakeholders and you have decision-makers now. Who else has input? Great. We'll walk through that together, tailor it, tweak it, and show you the best way to get started at the end. How does that sound? So present mm -hmm. your proposals. Don't send your proposals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Yeah, I love that. And, yeah. And, and if you get an objection and they go, oh, I'll just send it through, I, I would say, um, you know, I'd love to, but what people have found in the past is some of it's not 100% self-explanatory and it's just going to work. It's just going to be easier for everyone if we just walk through it, you know? Yeah, perfect. And, again, anything that you would say after, just say before and it stops yeah. them from saying that. So if you said now, <laughs> I'm just going to be a detailed talk and a lot of it won't be self-explanatory. I've got data, I've got figures. There's some, there's some tech talk I need to talk you through. So um, let's walk through it together. And you'll have questions. This is really important. Yeah. You'll probably have questions. We'll refine it together when we chat. In other words, yeah. the refining is going to happen when we chat. So I need your input to build it. it you don't want to turn this into a shark tank. You go away, yeah. create your pitch, come back, pitch them, and then stand there and hope for the best. What you want to do is come back and say, this is what I put together. I want to get your feedback on to make sure it's perfect. So make yeah. it an inclusive conversation, not, a, not an exclusive conversation. Yep, absolutely. And eliminate all that coming up. Yeah, and, and I mean, one thing I will add, you know, guys, is, is be flexible um, during the current climate. Um, a lot of us don't know which direction things are going to go. Um, we've, for example, we've reduced all of our lock-in contracts so people can – 
have a bit of degree of flexibility and some things like that. Um, yeah. You know, moving things online, whatever it needs to be. I mean, you really just have to not be so rigid in your approach um, and, and be mindful that people, are, you know, businesses are changing all the time. Uh, evolution now is everything. You know, it's not, you know, Darwinian theorem. It's not survival of the fittest, right? It's survival of the most flexible. Yes, Whoever right. Adapts the most will always win. You know, I have my sales accelerator program. It's a short four-week program. Um, I let a guy get started today. He's going to pay it off by the end of the year. Like, he's going to pay nothing for the next six months. I know he will make his money back from the program and pay it off earlier. But the, the fact that I've given him the leverage of you've got to be in the year to pay it off has just lowered his resistance levels to say, Pete, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I know the success you'll get. I know I'll get my money early. I know my product so well. I know my percentages of success rate. So that's not a risk for me. But I've had to be more flexible, just like you said. Yeah, Pete, we're going to have to leave it there, mate. Um, we, we uh, so you know, guys, Pete and I are discussing doing some more of these together. Um, so we've, we will have more training coming up and you'll just have to keep an eye out for more details on that. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up, Pete? Mate, no. Listen, if you've got specific questions, guys, fire it in here, whether it's YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. Yep. Um, love, we'll go through those. Um, yeah, we, we want to do an, a, a – was going to be a live event. Now it'll be a virtual or remote event, whatever they're calling it nowadays. <laughs> yes. um, it'll be great to really tap into giving you exactly the answers to the questions that you guys have got. So uh, I'm not, one, one thing I want to leave on is yep. – uh, and this is so important. The mindset of selling now is really, really critical. Um, the world needs money to to go around. Like we need money to circulate. Don't be afraid to sell. Okay. There's people that need your products and services. A lot of people are feeling embarrassed to sell their stuff, feeling you're taking advantage of people. The world will only survive if money circulates. So the yeah. people need your products and services. Get out there and sh and talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't even use my sound effects, but I had them here. Um, check out this. <laughs> I've got the applause. Can you hear that? <laughs> I'm to get me one of those. That's a big crowd, too. Uh, I was going to do the Saturday night live theme as the intro. You go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we did it at the end. Rock and roll. Oh, I love you. Love you work, <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Pete. Um, guys, don't forget to drop in the comments any questions you have for me or Pete. And also I want to hear what your one goal is for the next seven days that you can do while you're working in isolation. Um, make it a sales goal, whatever you want. And uh, we'll see you next week right here on Monday Night Live. Cheers. Thank you. See you guys. End broadcast. <laughs>